Hi again, everybody. Welcome to the 95th edition of The Chatter. We're sneaking up on 100, aren't we? We are. Our guests are Mark Hager and newly ordained Mike Damali with the Archdiocese of Dubuque. We begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Remember, Remember, O most most gracious Virgin Mary, that that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly into thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we're closing in on 100 episodes. Oh my goodness, and it is about 100 degrees out. <laughs> oh man, is it hot. Well, wait a minute. The school start? Then it must be 100 degrees. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's saying it's a good idea to come to the underground bunker studio because we're about 20 degrees cooler than it, it is. It is. I had to put my here. sweater on. So it's it's <laughs> going to be in here. here. You're doing that. Got to remember our um, sponsor, Hotworks, out at Holiday, that's two L's, Holiday Drive. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was a typo when they named it I that? I have no idea. Or was there someone would, named Holiday yeah. with two L's? Yeah. And, and we should thank our other sponsor here, Vehicles for Charity. We got we got another uh, clunker. Oh, we did? <laughs> we did. I call them clunkers, but uh, got another uh, check from our, uh, uh, well, it comes through a uh, processing center. And um, so when you turn your old vehicle in, instead of just leaving it in your neighbor's front yard, <laughs> go to KCRD. Leave it in Tom's front yard. Yeah, leave it in my front yard, kcrd-fm.org. Go to donations, look for vehicles, for charity. They will come pick it up out of your neighbor's front yard, and they will send us a check. So it's a win-win-win awesome. opportunity, vehicles for charity. That's yeah. awesome. If they go by weight, there's one down on Bluff Street that they could swing in and pick up. <laughs> this, guy, this guy's got a pickup full of stuff that's just, I mean, his tires are flat. And it's just, that's not the yeah. um, pallet guy, is it? I don't think There's so. a guy with a pickup truck, and he's got pallets. Yeah, they're stacked, they're, they're stacked yeah. higher than yeah. the cab. Yeah. Yep. And he, go, he drives around like at 4 a.m. Well, I've never seen him driving, but oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen him park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When we were kids, there was a guy, I'm talking, this is 1960s, the early 1960s, maybe late 1950s, and uh, there was a guy that came around uh, with a pickup truck, and he would take your junk, mm-hmm. and he was known by everyone that uh, that was the Sheeny. Do you remember? Any? An Ir- is that an Irish term? I think it's term? an Irish term, and I'm not sure what it is, but he would come along, and he would uh, he would take your your. Your garbage. Uh, he was he was a way before his time. He's a recycler, <laughs> but but he didn't have the yellow buckets. He just <laughs> he just came up with his old old pickup truck, which looks like he was recycling the truck. And he would take yeah, to give me your stuff, and he'd, he'd uh, you know don't throw that out. Save it for the Sheeny. Yeah, whoever whoever that was here. So. He took it out to North End Wrecking and sold it to them. I don't know what it was yeah. here, but. Uh, um. Well, an Ashini is a person who buys and sells junk. <laughs> yeah. And you was... can impress your friends with that little bit of trivia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. You don't get this kind of radio up and down the dock. I'm telling uh, you. No. They're probably grateful they don't get this yeah, kind of fact, radio up and down the aisle. Mark, it's good to have you back. Yep. 
Yeah. Good to be back. I know. Yeah. And it's been busy. You've been making some calls, getting ready for our event in November with uh, Dr. Ray Garendi. November 2nd is a Thursday night. We're headed back to the Grand River Center. And Dr. Ray's coming in town. we got to get the uh, promotions out on that. But mm. there was a uh, save the date in mm-hmm. the last issue of the cha- uh, chatter. The, he was one of our most popular out. one of our right. most popular speakers. So yeah. I'm glad he's coming back. Yeah, he's, he, and that's what he told us. He said, Tom, I'm one of your most popular speakers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm coming back. So. Uh, <laughs> there he he's is. funny. Yeah. Funny guy. And, and it's funny when you look around at the crowd and the people that know him and listen to him, they get him, right? The, the, the dry humor. And other ones just sit there and like, did he just say something really funny? Because everybody's laughing. I didn't know what he. You know, yeah, I didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Slow down, Doc. Stop. We got to we got to hear all the uh, the lines. Funny. Uh, so I am I am somewhat obligated. You know, there's there's a woman who is a doctor, and I've got her name in the other room, but uh, <laughs> she she doesn't like it. When, she doesn't when like she when doesn't we're doing the cons- the consecration. So. Uh, we, we play the consecration throughout. There's a Marian con- uh, Deacon Michael. We've got a Marian consecration that runs seven or eight times a year. It ends on a Marian feast day, mm-hmm. and it runs for 33 days, and we run it at 6 and noon and 6 and midnight, and it takes sometimes 10 or 11 scheduled at that time. Well, at noon, it's Dr. Ray, and she writes this, is there any way I can hear all of Dr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe he has a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He does. So yeah. we're going to track this woman down because we've got her name, and we're going to sit her at Dr. Ray's table. That would be awesome. We're, we're going to get her a free ticket, and that you're going to sit. Awesome. You're going to sit at there, and you can listen to Dr. Ray front and center. Well, she doesn't I, I say that about the chatter, does she? No, she never no, says. No, in no, fact, no. she should probably say, "Put it on instead of the chatter. Put the consecration on then." That's a lot of dead air. Indeed. Exactly. Indeed. Yeah. Well, the other one we have to find is the one that lived here for ninety years and doesn't know about a radio station. Oh yeah. yeah. She should yeah. sit there too. I'm trying to track that woman down. She's in her nineties. Really? She said, I didn't know there was a Catholic. Well, it, it, it was funny. Tell them the story how she got it with through Molo. <laughs> 90 years old, and she's going to Molo to get her oil changed. Mm-hmm. And Molo is a longtime supporter mm-hmm. of Aquinas Communications. Yeah. Yes, they are. And they've had a $10 off coupon in the <laughs> Bellowing Ox for, what, a year? Oh, Two yeah, years? At least, yep. And so. And if you're listening and you don't get the bellowing ox, sign up. Get the bellowing ox, and, and you get a, a ten dollar off your your maintenance plan. Code word KCRD. And so she goes in. I, I I'm just envisioning this ninety year old woman driving in to get something fixed at Molo Oil or or whatever. And they say, Do you have your KCRD coupon? And she calls up and says, I didn't know there was a radio station. So I'm trying to track her down. <laughs> And she says, I don't want to give you, I've got caller ID, but I don't want to give you my, my name. So I'm, I'm doing some, some nasty investigation work here, Colleen, trying to find. She said, I got a burner phone, and you're not yeah, going to yeah, track it. Yeah, a she's, burner phone. <laughs> burner phone and a molo oil change is what she has. So. Oh. But, but this is not as bad. This is not as bad. Colleen, you know something about this. There's a woman that was listening to KCRD driving down the road, and she got home. But she wasn't done listening, Mike. She wasn't done listening, so she pulled into the garage, closed the door, but didn't want to leave the car running because she had closed the garage door. So she's at least cognizant that way. So 
she she just leaves the key in the auxiliary position <laughs> so the radio works so she can listen to the rest of the KCRD show and gets out and goes into the house to do it forgets that she left the key on in the car and went get the next morning to probably go to church and she's got a dead battery <laughs> and so this is a public service announcement when you're in your garage <laughs> listening to anybody including dr ray Oh. Please, please take your car keys with you so that you don't forget they're doing it. Because we've we've had three AAA jumpers uh, this <laughs> month with with uh, mostly women, by the way. Hey, 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 I'm just. Hey, 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 hey. Well, Tom, shouldn't they get Easy. that free radio that you all get all the time? <laughs> That's I mean, what I was just going to say. It's a free radio. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all right, call and get a free radio here. She's probably got a free radio. <laughs> well, she should go in and turn it on and use her car. Or your money back from the AAA. <laughs> That's, <AAA>. right. That's right. <laughs> so okay. um, here we are, the... Uh, there's a TV show in here, isn't there? The uh, the, <laughs> yeah. the 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 women of KCRD yeah. or something like that. <laughs> anyway, Mike Damali's in the house. He was corralled. How long is we trying to get you in the house, Mike? Since uh, um, your ordination and Mark's yeah. been working on it. Mark, Mark has been working on me <laughs> to get in here for a while. And, and we had I originally threw out a date, I think, and Mark's like, "No, that won't work. Let's let's try these two. And we came up with the twenty-first as being a good date. I think it was twenty-first, and maybe the twenty-eighth was the yeah. other one. And so, not to be a shock here, but not everybody knows who Mike Damali is. Tell uh, us, who were you really, and what were you before? What did you yeah. do, and what did you think? Okay, I'll give you all that as soon as I can here. So, um, my name's uh, Mike Damali. I'm a deacon in the Archdiocese of Dubuque. I'm assigned to St. Columkill's Parish. Um, I'm originally from Florida. Uh, people ask me all the time, why did you move up here to Dubuque when you're from Florida where there's no snow in the wintertime? Believe me, I ask myself that question all the time. <laughs> snow is nice. Uh, well, like snow. Snow's not too bad. Uh, yeah, except when you get to be a little older and you hate shoveling it like I do. So, Except you know. do they ever ask you that when it's like 100 in Florida and it's a beautiful 75 up here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but see, but see, in Florida, when it's 100, you still have the sea breeze coming in. So mm -hmm. it's not, not quite as bad. You can be in a condo on the beach and it's not mm -hmm. quite terrible. But mm -hmm. having said that, uh, I met my wife, um, who was a Dubuquer. And, uh, and I'll, I'll get to that part of the story in a little bit. But uh, born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida. And my dad was a Catholic and my mom was a Methodist. So I came from a split faith family. My mom never converted, but she, was, she raised us in the faith as much as you did in the 70s, right? And um, my dad uh, was an attorney. And he moved down from St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, to go to law school at Stetson Law School, and that's where he met my wife. Or my, my wife. Met my mom, <laughs> not my wife. Where's Stetson at? Where's Stetson, Stetson Law? Stetson is in, um, the actual main college is in DeLand, Florida, but Stetson uh, Law okay. School is in St. Petersburg. All right. So I'm from St. Petersburg. So um, went to went to a Catholic, uh, uh, a, a Catholic kindergarten, and... Uh, then I got baptized when I was seven, and my kindergarten teacher, and my dad, did not get me baptized as an infant. Uh, Colleen, as yeah, shocking as I've that got, is. Yeah, I'll pick my jaw up off yeah, the floor. Yeah, no. Um, he came from a big family, but 
and he was he, it was a very strong Catholic family, but we were kind of just not as strong as as he probably was when he grew up. So I got baptized when I was seven, and my kindergarten teacher was my godmother, uh, Vern Mignon, and and her husband Pasquale. So uh, they were they were great godparents. That was, so that was my first uh, bat, my baptism and my first communion. Same and, year. Yep, same, same year. Oh, wow. And then probably about six months later, I had my first confession. And then I didn't go to didn't go again to confession till much later in life, um, and so my at the time that I was going to school, uh, they had started doing desegregation, and my dad did not want me bust across town when I had a perfectly good public school nearby. So he tried to get me into our Catholic school at our parish, and the priest asked, "Why do you want to send your kids here?" My dad, being scrupulously honest as an attorney, said, "I don't want them bust." And the, and the priest said, sorry, they can't come here. So I ended up going, this was junior high, so I ended up going to junior high and high school to an Assemblies of God school. Now, oh if you're a Catholic in an Assemblies of God school, you are the Antichrist. <laughs> um, they, Even the kids at that age. Oh, yeah, they all know it. Wow. Chick, chick comic, chick tracks that people yep. put on your cars at yep. mass. Yep. They were they were flowing there like candy. Mm. And uh, I remember having a friend of mine, my best friend in school, he was a non-denominational, and he said, why do you guys eat fish? And I couldn't answer the question. I didn't even know my faith very well, and it's by the grace of God that I didn't lose my faith. So then um, after high school, I went to the University of Tampa for, uh, for college. I had an ROTC scholarship from the Air Force. And, uh, and so I went to University of Tampa and got my degree in psychology and then joined the Air Force in 1985 and uh, took me all over creation. My first assignment was, this, was in Sicily, and that's kind of where I started rediscovering my faith because all of my friends in the military in Sicily were Catholic. Mm-hmm. And, and we, had a, we had a very, very young, dynamic Sicilian priest come on the base to do mass, and, and he was just really cool. Spoke great English, and and so I started. That's when the seeds of faith started getting re re put in me. Because in college I didn't go to mass. I just I just did not. So then I moved to Tucson. That's where I met my wife. My wife was a Catholic school teacher out there, and we got set up on a blind date. And four months later, we were engaged. Wow. And yet we were both older. I'd been set up on so many blind dates. It was just you know. <laughs> so as soon as I saw her, I knew that that was the woman that I wanted to marry. Wow. And we got married in Tucson at her, at the school she taught at, had a Catholic Catholic church, St. Cyril's. And her dad's name was Cyril. He had passed away. So it's kind of just, there's a lot there. So we got married in 90. And then she followed me all over, all over God's creation. Another tour in Europe with the kids um, from 2001. So I was there during 9-11 to 2004. Oh, wow. And uh, then in 2004, we moved to Omaha, which was my last duty assignment. So this whole time you were in the Air Force? Yes, I was in the Air Force. Uh, I went through RCIA in 2003 because I wanted to be a Eucharistic minister. I had been a lector. Obviously, God gave me a great voice. He didn't give me a face for television, but he gave me a voice for radio. <laughs> and uh, so, um, so I wanted to be a Eucharistic minister, and to do that, you had to be confirmed. And I had never gotten confirmed. Oh, my. I, I knew nothing about it. So I remember going into confession before I was getting confirmed. <laughs> I went to the priest. I said, bless me, Father, for I have since been 35 years since my last confession. What do you want to know? He goes, hit the highlights. <laughs> An hour later, we were still there. Yeah. You know, but that Page was a... Page Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, Tom, it was a, that was a freeing experience, though. And Jan, my wife, Jan, was my sponsor. 
and uh, and then um, we moved here to Dubuque, and uh, we moved. I retired out of the Air Force in 2006 and moved to Dubuque and started a career in human resources. And I was in human resources for about 16 years or so. And then in 2022, I made a jump over to Catholic Charities. And uh, we can get into that a little bit a little bit later if you want. Uh, but along the way, you know, I never really considered an or- being ordained as anything. Um, I just was happy being Mike. And then um, in, in 2008, I joined the Knights of Columbus. And that's when things started changing mm. uh, when I joined the Knights. Now you joined the Knights at St. Colum- Columbus, at St. Columbus. Now, Mark, did you invite Mike to join? Were you instrumental? No, actually, that? Father Anderson, our yeah. priest, oh, did. Father Anderson. And I was one of the seven guys that was in the charter. Oh wow! Had, I was one of the charter members. I actually joined five ten, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Father Anderson wanted to start one at uh, at St. Columbus, mm-hmm. and right. Mark was in there. That's when I actually I met you. I think at the Breakfast Club. Right, yeah. I met Mark at a breakfast club we would have over at Village Inn yep. on Fridays, yep. um, and uh, and that's when I that's when I first got the introduction. Then I went to a CW that same year, and then things just started going from there. And that was in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight was my first CW. Yeah, okay. uh, two thousand nine actually. Two thousand nine because yeah. uh, Jan was at the March for Life, mm-hmm. and I was texting her how great this this was, and how, you know if you've been through a CW, you know how impactful they are, and right. And um, she was on the March for Life bus for yes, 18 hours, yes, texting how awesome that was. Not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, she they, she had a good she had a good time there too. With uh, I think our daughter Maddie was was mm. the one that went with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then once, once you get there, it's awesome. But the 18 hour bus ride and back is yep. not the best. Yeah. Our guest is Deacon Mike. Damali, I was going to say Archdeacon, but not quite yet. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. no, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Mike Damali from the Archdiocese of Dubuque over at St. Columbkill. We're going to get back and talk more about uh, what your uh, discernment was like and what's going on in the, uh, in the Archdiocese uh, right after these announcements. We're back in the studios of FM 98.3 KCRD and the KCRD mobile app, the podcast. We are. We are. We didn't thank the uh, donors during our uh, pledge oh, drive, and I didn't. meant to do that. We've got another pledge drive coming up in the uh, September with the autumnal equinox, which ought to be easier to say this Yes, time. you did have trouble with the solstice. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, yeah, the summer solstice. Summer, yeah, it was, was, it was just that day. Twister. It was the lemonade he was drinking. Did you ever get so puckered up, Mark, you couldn't uh, spit it out? But uh, we, we had... We, summer's We had... Two dozen new first-time people who have never given to KCRD or Aquinas Communications in ten years. And that is outstanding. And thank you very much. New donors, yes. So, Thanks all to all our donors, but especially those new donors. That's exciting. Yeah, and and including the ninety-year-old uh, woman that didn't know we were on the air. <laughs> Maybe she'll be a donor in this. We're hoping. Up God bless her. God bless yeah. her. Amazing. Mark Hager, who's been pushing the nights for ten years on KCRD. Deacon Mike DeMolly touches on something, what an influence the Knights of Columbus were in his uh, road to faith, RCIA, the, and, and now the diaconate. What say you about the Knights? Well, it's, 
it affected Mike it, like it affected me. I mean, when, once when Father Anderson, he was such a force in getting us going uh, that year, 2009, and uh, we finally chartered in 2014. But we actually 14 started or 13. Well, we started 13 in 13. Was when we started the work. Yeah, and everything. So it was it was really to, it's a, it's our 10 year anniversary, just like it yep. is with the radio station. Yep. Did you ever and figure so, that out, Mark? And not to cut you off, but the, the Knights of Columbus start in 13. Mary's End starts in mm-hmm. 2013, and mm-hmm. Aquinas Communications mm-hmm. starts yeah. in 13. Do you think we were busy that year? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh, nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we no were, the good news was we were all 10 years younger yes, and could go through yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Anyway, you had but, someone. But the uh, it, there's been so many things that have happened. But the faith formation program through the Knights of Columbus with the uh, Into the Breach and all all the beautiful book booklets that they put out on mm-hmm. fatherhood and parenting and families and everything like that. Plus, it's the camaraderie of everything that we do together with the council and the community and our parish. I mean, it's it's just been uh, a ride that I would never forget. I mean, we have done so much and accomplished so much and brought so many men. Um, we started out, we had, well, we had eight men on that round table. I'll never seven. forget that. Seven. seven. We had seven men on the round table, and they said, how many need to, to charter? And he said, 35. Wasn't it 35? Yeah. We had 52. Yep. That chartered that night with us. Oh them. my goodness! So it was yeah. that, that charters in St. Column Kills in right. the vestibule. Yeah. Wow. So Deacon Mike Damali, we were talking about the nights, and we want yep. to get in, but just start out with what were your impressions initially when you start? So you're you're a grown guy by now, and you walk into a room with eight guys to start the charter, but 50, 52, 53 sign up. How did that impact you to see other grown men witnessing mm. their faith? Well, it was interesting, Tom, because I had never been exposed to that sort of thing before. Most guys are not. Right, um, right. I also, at the same time, was doing That Man Is You. I was in the charter group that did That Man Is You here in town at St. Column Kills. Mm-hmm. Um, they, made was- me, they made me the MC. I can't, you know, so I had to come up with the jokes and everything else. <laughs> it was just an interesting time. But, but the CW, the Knights, and then, and then That Man Is You, it was impressing upon me that there were guys who wanted to take their faith further. When we get to the last segment, I'll talk about a new initiative the Knights are doing that I'm in charge of. Right, uh, right. We'll get that to segment segment three. Um, But uh, that that was probably what helped spark some of my... That that was the seeds that God was using. That seed had already been planted when I was baptized, of course. Sure. But he was letting it grow through other men. And, And just being able to talk to other guys about things that guys don't normally talk about that was that was kind of refreshing so was there some apprehension on your part oh yeah 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 not with the knights so much not so much with the knights but Uh, that man is you there was but even with that man is you once you once you had your table set it was almost like a round table at the knights yeah those seven or eight guys that sat at your table they were your friends i mean you could tell them anything yep you could you thought you had problems oh yeah (laughs) it was just like oh yeah oh you're experiencing that too (laughs) and and so that just started that just started growth um and then in the knights i took a leadership role i was the first um i was the first deputy grand knight uh tom oaks uh was our first grand knight Mm mm-hmm and then uh, about six months in, they asked me to be a district deputy, so I became a district deputy, and then it kind of snowballed from there. 
I moved into state leadership at that after that. I was a DD for three years. What's a DD? A district deputy. And uh, so I was in charge of three. I thought it three. was deputy dog. Uh, well. Deputy dog, yeah. I was in charge of three councils. So I had three councils under me, St. Column Kills. Uh, um, so, Mike, just to give people a background, mm-hmm. if they're listening and don't understand mm-hmm. the Knights mm-hmm. of Columbus, you're, you're, this is a local council. Yes. Which are typically tethered to a parish. Yes. But then normally. there's a, there's a, Mark, help me out here. There's, there's a hierarchy. Some, there's a there hierarchy. With there's, the state. Yeah, with the state, but there's some regional yes. stuff. So, so each, each area in the, each state has districts that are kind of like little sections of the state. So right. in Dubuque, we had two districts and they divided it up. Basically, Highway 20 was kind of the dividing point. So I was in charge of the three councils that were in the south. Mm-hmm. Of Highway 20, and there was another district deputy who was in charge of the north part of Dubuque. And so one of the crazy things I did was I challenged our council to get to a hundred guys, and if they did, I would buy, I would, I would plan a meal. And they got to 120 <laughs> and blew that out of the water. And, and it was just a marvelous time to to be the district deputy for those three councils. I am. Um, I got them. I got them energized. They energized themselves. But I was. I was a part of that. So it's had an impact on you personally oh, yes. and your faith life. Yes, it has. What stories can you share about similar impacts with the guys that are coming, joining? Because they weren't knights. There was no council, mm-hmm. and they're com- mm-hmm. they're coming here. What's that faith journey look like for some of the guys on the council? Well, each guy's going to be different. Sure. Based on where they're at, um, and. You know, the Knights historically have not really pushed the faith formation aspect of the Knights. They've pushed the charitable aspect of the Knights because that's where we're the strong right arm of the church that is there when there's a disaster or when the church needs something, father needs something done in the church, they call the Knights. The Knights are starting to change that a little bit because they realize that if you have strong men with faith formation, they're going to have, they're going to be able to do more for the parish than they do right now. And uh, we'll get into that a little bit later because I do want to talk about that a little bit, but I won't do it right now. But the the, the knights were instrumental in plant in helping grow my vocation. I think. How so? Um, just that I was with other like guys, and I remember um, Deacon Bill Beaver would do. He was our lecturer, which our lecturer is designed in a in a council to come up with edifying kind of programming for the council, and he did something on Advent. And it was very impactful what he did. I'd never heard that take on it. I couldn't remember what the take was, but he had a take on it that I'd never considered before. Mm-hmm. And and then people were asking, you know, hey, have you thought about being a deacon? I remember Father John Haugen, when I was at Loris, asked me if I wanted oh, to be yeah. a, a deacon. And, and I said, no, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. So that was 2006, 2007. And then, um, and then we, I considered it again around the time I became a knight. And the timing just wasn't right with our young kids. Uh, they were in, in sports and stuff like that. And so then in 2017, Deacon Travis King at our parish asked me if I wanted to be a deacon. He thought I'd be a good deacon. And he and I were in the Knights, and, and we both were very active. And I was on the state council at that time in the Knights. And I thought I was going to be what's called the state deputy, which is the guy who's in charge of the Knights in the state of Iowa. That's the path I wanted to take. And uh, 
Travis kind of planned the seed with me, and I, I go, I don't know. And I remember telling him this. I said... Over a Guinness, I think. Uh, yeah, it was probably over Guinness, and it was probably... It was it was definitely over beer. Yeah. And, and I had said to him, I go, I'm not holy enough to be a deacon. What a stupid thing to say, first of all. And he goes, neither was Peter. And I go, good point. So I got that knocked out of my head pretty quick, and... Um, so I was the state program director uh, in charge of all the programming that the, that the Knights do in the state of Iowa. And we have, we have about 30,000 Knights in Iowa. Wow. Um, and so uh, I was in charge of the programming for all the councils. I couldn't even tell you how many councils there are now. It's out of my head. 208, I think. Yeah, 208 or something like that. So I was in charge of making sure they were all doing programming they were supposed to do. And in addition to that, there was membership things. I was also active in the fourth degree of the Knights, which the fourth degree of the Knights is the patriotic degree, the, the guys who wear the uniforms with swords and all the other stuff. And, you know, that one appealed to me just because I was in the military and being patriotic. Um, so I'm at, I'm at a point in my life where I think I know what God is wanting me to do, that he's wanting me to be the state deputy for the Knights of Columbus. And I remember my, my oldest daughter was pregnant with our first grandchild. And um, so I'll tell you my vocation story now. So my vocation story starts with a dream. I actually had a dream that I was at our granddaughter Gianna's uh, baptism. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't attending the baptism. I was doing the baptism. I was in full oh, vestments and everything no. doing, oh, oh, oh. doing wow. it. And I'm going, oh, no, God, you do not want me. You do not want. So me. you're you're talking nighttime, oh, head yeah. down on the pillow, yeah, dreaming middle of the night, and yeah. somebody, the Holy Spirit's mm-hmm. saying, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit's putting that in my head, right? And I'm I'm as I always tend to do sometimes with God, as I resist Him. We all do that, and sometimes we're we're better than other times. This time I was bad. I was resisting. I go, you don't want me. No, 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 mm-hmm. no, no. So about a month later, Travis is asking me, because it's coming up time now to do the application, to turn the application in for the class 20 that I was in. And he goes, where are you at on this? And I go, well, I... I this is Deacon Travis. Deacon Travis King. King. Yep, who's a, who's a deacon with me at St. Columkill's. Really, really dear friend of mine. We both brew beer together and, and other things like that, which we can talk about that anytime if you want. <laughs> um, but uh, but Travis is like, where are you at? And I go, I, I, I don't know yet. I'm, I'm still discerning. And discernment is not just a one and done. It's a lifetime thing. You're still discerning even after you're ordained or even after you're married. You're still discerning things in life. So then I lay down for a nap one day. Uh Uh-oh. And I feel like Joseph sometimes, or all these dreams, and I'm interpreting the dreams. But I'm laying down for a nap, and I'm on the proverbial road with a fork. And there's a fork that's the easy road to go down, and I knew that that one was Knights of Columbus because that's the one I wanted to go down. But I felt the Lord tugging at me to go down this one that was a little bit more narrow and a little bit more difficult. And I knew that that was going into formation. So I wake up from my, that is a nap. It's a nap at like two in the afternoon. I wake up and I quick tell my wife that I had this dream, that I had two dreams. She didn't know about the first one. Well, we kind of chatted a little bit about it, but I didn't really go into a lot of depth with it because your spouse has to be on board with you to go into formation. So then I ask her, um, I really think God is calling me to be a deacon. Can you discern? Now I have like a month left to get my application in. And she goes, sure, I'll, I'll pray about it. 
I mean, she was, if I'm being honest, she was probably a little skeptical that God was calling me. And I don't blame her because, I mean, you hear people having dreams. They're like, yeah, right, sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was clear as day what God was calling me to. And so about a week before I had to turn the application in, I asked her, I said, Jan, have you discerned any about this too? I said, I have, and I'm fairly positive that God is calling me to, to consider the diaconate. And she, she asked me a very pointed question, which to this day, I'm very grateful she did. She says, why do you want to do this? And I said, well, it certainly isn't to stand up in front of people and talk. I said, I do that now in my job in HR, and I also do that at church as a lector and stuff. I said, it's, I'm really being called to the service aspect of being a deacon. And um, so she says, okay, I'll fill out the application. So we filled out the application and turned it in. Uh, and then we're waiting. And so I got it turned in by March 31st. I think it was 20, was it eight? It's like a blur now and when it started, 18, right? Yeah. I think it was 18. And so um, I, I get called for an interview. So they interview us. And if there's a formation board, the formation board interviewed us. And then we go to Deacon C. Deacon Jerry Jorgensen for psychological testing. Eight hours of psychological testing on a Saturday. And there's like 20 or 30 other couples in this room. So this is how many people are considering it. And, and I'm going, the, the, one of the first ones we filled out was your caffeine intake. Uh, doing that, obviously, to see if you're addicted to caffeine or whatever. We joked that it was to see how much coffee to make for classes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so, but we had all that. We took a Minnesota multiphasic. It's all the stuff the priests do, uh, but not, they have a little bit more. So then we get the results back and we meet with Jerry. Jerry met with me first and his first statement was, boy, you like to talk. And I go, yeah, you nailed that one. I didn't need you to do psychological testing for that one. And we're joking about it. And then, and then he goes, but your, your wife is very introverted. I said, yes, she is. I said, we make a very good couple that way. And he says, yeah, it's very apparent on your, on your testing. So uh, we get through with the testing. And then in December of that year, I get a letter from Archbishop Jekylls, Archbishop Emeritus Jekylls, um, who, who calls me to class. He says, I'm accepting you into formation. So we start formation the following January. Well, in December of that year also, we had a, a Knights of Columbus state family meeting, which is the organizational meeting for the, for the state council. And I resigned my position at oh. that point because I said, I'm not going to be doing nights if I'm going to be going in formation. I need to be concentrating on formation. So we started formation in January. Uh, the first the first semester is called the inquiry semester is to see if it's really for you. Uh, you learn what it's like to have a relationship with the church, with your spouse, with others, what service means as a deacon. And it's service sacramentalized. And so the difference between a lay person and an ordained deacon is the lay person can do a, a thing in the church for, let's say, five years. And then they go, oh, okay, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do it anymore. A deacon is a deacon 24-7, 365. Even when I'm on vacation, if I see a need, I'm going to try to address it. Um, so that's kind of the difference. And you learn about that. And then you start figuring out, is this really what God is calling me to? Then you have work in the summertime, and then you go into your first full year of formation, and there's four and a half years of formation. 
It covers everything from canon law to spiritual um, spiritual reading, Lexio Divina, Liturgy of the Hours. Uh, it also covers, um, let's see, the moral theology, theology of sacraments, everything and anything. And then the last wow. semester is practicum, where you actually start practicing some of the things you have to do. And then you're, the, the thing that I'm very proud of is the fact that Archbishop Jekyll's the day before he left, he called us to orders. So my letter says Archbishop Michael Jekyll's on it, which I'm very grateful for. I actually cried when I got the letter. God bless him. Um, wow. Yeah. Deacon Mike Damali is our um, guest today. He's talking about his, his road to the diaconate. Well, you were talking uh, about 24-7, 365 days a year. I was thinking of my favorite deacons, St. Francis, St. Lawrence, and St. Stephen. Two of those guys didn't go out so well, but uh, <laughs> we'll, yep. we'll be back with segment three with Deacon Mike Damali of the Archdiocese of Dubuque right after these announcements. Hi again, everybody. We're back. This is FM 98.3 KCRD and the KCRD mobile app and the Chatter podcast. Yeah, and if people are just joining us now, we've been talking with Deacon Mike Damali of um, the Archdiocese of Dubuque. He's a deacon for um, the Archdiocese, and he's at St. Kill, and he's been talking to us about how he got mm-hmm. to this point in life. So it's been a very fascinating story, um, and I know he has more to share. So when we kind of left off in the last segment, you were saying how you had been through the formation, the different kinds of topics that you covered, and then you got your, you called it, our call to order? Yes, call to orders. So that's the letter that the archbishop gives you saying, I'm bringing you to order. Along the way in formation, you the first thing that happens is you're made a candidate. Um and that's sure. an interesting story too, because I, and I have to before I go any further. My wife, she's a saint because she went to all the classes, probably ninety percent of the classes with me. Uh, they go through as much formation as the guys do for five years. Yeah, hmm. basically for five years she's been on this road with me, and the reason that's done is because if the spouses don't go, then the couple starts to drift apart. And mm-hmm. my first vocation is to my marriage. Absolutely, it is not to being a deacon; mm-hmm. it is to my marriage. Mm-hmm. And now, so, and Mike, I just want to interrupt here one time because it was you and Deacon Travis, or they went to Waterloo, right, for the classes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And during the winter, how many snowstorms did you guys have to drive through? Yeah, <laughs> what? We, yeah. we we had to drive through quite a few of those. Um, and sometimes, one time, it took us two and a half hours to get home after class, wow. and that's only an hour and 20 minutes away. Wow. So, Spe- Speaking of that sort of thing, people may not know that once you are ordained a deacon, if Jan were to pass away, you, are, you cannot get, get married, married again, right? Yeah. I take yeah. an oath of celibacy, mm. um, and that's, that's done at the ordination okay. itself. I don't take the oath of celibacy, but I say that I will not marry again. Um, so... Jan was with me all along in this journey, and the call to candidacy comes in your second year. And we're about to leave to go to Cedar Rapids for the call to candidacy, and Jan has a little medical emergency. Mm -hmm. And so we're standing, and this is during COVID, so I can't be in there with her at the acute care clinic, and they took her over to Mercy eventually. And so I'm standing out in the parking lot, and I'm having a conversation with God saying, are you really wanting me to do this? I was angry. 
I did go to confession on that, so, you know. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, so I ended up having that privately with Archbishop Jekylls and Jan and Deacon John Stearman, who's the formation director. So I did do my candidacy. Um, then you get instituted as a lector. So then you're made a permanent lector. So most people that, that read at church, they're readers. They're not lectors. Lectors right, are actually right. called to be able to teach um, what what the gospels, what not the gospels. One of the minor the orders. It used, it, used to be, to, it used to be a minor order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a minor order being meaning that as a man worked his way up to being a priest, mm-hmm. there were these different mm-hmm. levels, yeah, the minor extra, orders. You had exorcists. You had, there were a mm-hmm. bunch of different ones. Porter. <coughs> yep. um, porter, mm-hmm. yeah. Porter, lector. And then exorcist and acolyte. Acolyte. So I was made an acolyte last October. That's the next one is acolyte. Um, And then as an acolyte, then I can assist at the altar. So you start learning a little bit of the practical type stuff about mass and and everything else, Um, how to do adoration and things like that. And then, um, and then the call to orders comes in, and the call to orders is is from the archbishop saying, you know, we I found you worthy to be ordained, and and that's. That's kind of, that's why I cried. I mean, I'm, it's like, okay, it, it's real, you know. So then the last semester, you're going through the practicum where you start practicing baptisms and you start practicing weddings and you start practicing funerals and you start practicing how to serve an assistant mass. And then the day for ordination comes. The night before that, we have Vespers at the Cathedral, which is evening prayer. And um, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of a little bit of chanting that goes along with it. It's very very formal compared to normal evening prayer. And that's after a delicious meal, right? Yes, uh. a delicious meal provided by my Knights of Columbus Council. And the guys still talk. Guys in my class still talk about that. Mark um, convert to Catholicism <laughs> yeah. and put forty pounds on. Yeah, it. and drink beer and have lasagna. Yeah. And and it was a phenomenal meal. Uh, wow. And then yeah. the next day we have ordination, and it's a that's a two-hour mass, and it's a long mass, beautiful mass. It is a beautiful mass. Bishop Pates, the apostolic administrator, was our bishop who who laid hands on us, and you know the the highlight. Just for a moment here, so laying hands on that that's mm-hmm. that's very symbolic, but it's also very what do I want to say? Uh, efficacious. I mean, this is a two thousand year old mm-hmm. ritual. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, when I talked about. Uh, Stephen, the first martyr, a deacon, but then mm-hmm. we just celebrated St. Lawrence, Lawrence. Mm-hmm. what, yeah. 10, 14 August, days August away? August the 10th, yeah, mm-hmm. August the 10th. Uh, who was... Um, and I should say on St. Lawrence's feast day, the deacon community here in Dubuque gets together for a cookout. A barbecue. Believe you knew it was going to be a barbecue. Yeah, it's a barbecue because he's the patron saint of comedians <laughs> and also cooks because yeah. he famously said, I'm done on the side, turn me over on the gridiron. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, so this um, is, and the laying on of hands is also remind you of a priestly ordination. Yes, There's a laying yes. on of hands, an, so an apostolic ordination, mm-hmm. right? Because S- Stephen and the other six de- first deacons, the apostles laid hands on them after they prayed, so they called down the Holy Spirit. Yeah, on them the then. bishops, so that, the apostles, the bishops yep. laid hands. Yep, and so then you had you you have the two famous deacons in the acts of the apostles then you have Stephen and you have Philip mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Philip baptizes a eunuch mm-hmm. the Ethiopian, uh, the Ethiopian mm-hmm. eunuch and Stephen gets martyred for his faith the mm-hmm. first martyr and i love the story of Philip who uh, does exit stage left yeah yep. as and mm-hmm. where did he spirit, go <laughs> nobody knows yeah. the spirit called him away yeah. right mm-hmm. so um, so those are those are two two very very clear examples of the laying on of hands mm-hmm. so then when the bishop does that, you know, everybody asked me, what'd you feel? And I said, honestly, I didn't feel anything at that point. 
Where it really struck me was right before that when we're laying down, face down on the floor for the Litany of Saints. Mm-hmm. Again, something they do in the priestly ordination. Yes, yeah. and they do it for us too. And it's just you, you, have, you have everybody singing. And it was Jackson Miller, one of the seminarians with a beautiful voice oh, yeah. leading it. Wow. And I was fine until they got to all holy men and women because then I started thinking about my mom and dad who have passed away. That's when I started crying. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wake up. I wasn't bawling like a baby. I got up and I wasn't bawling like a baby or anything, but I was crying a little bit. And then uh, when Bishop Pates laid his hands on me, then it, he's like, it's done. You're a deacon. Wow. Thank you, Bishop. You know, that's reminiscent, Mike, because you, you give your life story in, in, in segment one, and, and you've got your family, your mom is not Catholic, your dad is, the, mm-hmm. you know, the whole life story of school. And it's reminiscent, Colleen, of that comment with God first in intention is last in execution. And here you are. Uh, I'm not saying you're at the end of your life, oh, but no. you're, you're, you know, you're, shall we say, on the downhill side. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair statement. <laughs> and, and here the Lord is calling you to the diaconate after you've traveled the world with the Air Force mm-hmm. and, and this, what a journey. Mm-hmm. And then to be in the Cathedral of St. Raphael. Yep. With Bishop Pates, yep, and who who uh, who has done a great job as our apostolic administrator, yeah, um, laying laying keep keeping the the diocese going while we're waiting for Archbishop Alexinkula to come in. So yeah. I'm looking forward to October the 18th. That'll be a 17th or 18th. I 18th, think it's 18th, 18th. Yeah. Can I hit the rewind button for a minute, Mike? Sure. You, you talked about this vocation to the priest or to the priesthood. Well, to the to the diaconate, uh, which is a form of the priesthood in some ways, Colleen. The, the, uh, but you said, my, my first vocation is to Jan, my wife. Yes. How has this journey on the diaconate that Jan has accompanied you with to these five years of, of meetings, most every week, mm-hmm. how has it impacted your first vocation your marriage with Jan oh my gosh it's made it stronger um, you know before we went into formation and started doing liturgy of the hours we may have prayed together maybe twice maybe three times we each prayed in our own way but doing liturgy of the hours together we actually pray together and we bring up our intentions as part of liturgy of the hours and the fact that on the way home from class we can talk about what we studied today mm-hmm. is is great because she's she's been with me the entire time. The only time they really didn't get too involved was when we were doing the practicum because they can't do the practicum, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You know. So. Um, but how did it affect her faith? I know we were talking about your marriage, yeah. but how did it affect her faith? I think it's made her faith stronger. To be honest about it. she knows she knows enough now that if somebody asks her something i think she wouldn't be too afraid to say it okay. although she might say go ask my husband the deacon mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. which is fine it's what a lot of the wives do and i, mm-hmm. I get it but there's going to be times where somebody is going to come up to her because they have a connection with her mm-hmm. um it's helped her in our decorating of the church because okay. she knows the liturgical seasons now she okay. knows what's allowed and what's not allowed okay. and mm-hmm. um so i think it's i think it's boosted her faith um it's boosted the faith of my kids well, I should say my youngest daughter, Maddie. So my youngest daughter, Maddie, uh, just, she kind of, like every kid, stopped going to church. I shouldn't say like every kid. There are a lot of kids that go. But she stopped going to church. 
and I remember coming home from class one day, and I asked her, I asked her to come to to mass the next day. I said, mm-hmm. I'm not going to force you. You're you're an adult, but mm-hmm. I think you should go. And she says, Well, why can't I worship God anywhere I want? I said, You can. Mm-hmm. He's in creation. Mm-hmm. He, you know. Well, why do I have to go to church? Mm-hmm. I said, Okay, let's let's run a little let's run a little thought exercise here. I asked her. I said, So is is Jesus God? She's like, yeah, he's God. I said, does God lie? And she says, no, God doesn't lie. And it's okay, good. We're on a good start so far. I said, so in the sixth chapter of John, the Gospel of John, when Jesus says, unless you have eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you, what does that mean? And she pauses for a minute and she goes, well, you get that at Mass. I said, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I said, aside from the fact that the commandments tell us we should be going to Mass and Jesus said we should be worshiping God, don't you want to get the Eucharist? Mm. And she says, yeah. So she has started coming back occasionally. To me. She hasn't come back all the way yet. Okay. Um, she does. She did tell me she has to go to confession, which that's another good start. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's had an effect there on my family, too. And, and I remember talking to Maddie. We probably sat on the sofa for two hours one night just talking about theological type stuff, which I've never done that with her before. And she says, Dad, I got to say that that you're you're a pretty holy guy and i go well okay god's still working on me thank you for the compliment but um i'm glad that we're having this conversation because i wouldn't know the stuff if i hadn't gone through formation Mm -hmm. and jan would even chime in and say some things too which she wouldn't have done if she hadn't gone through formation so it's increased her faith Mm -hmm. um i really think it has it's made our marriage stronger um so yeah that's that's kind of that's kind of the the high point, really, of formation is what it's done for our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good point, because usually you just think of the person and the impact on them. Right. But then to hear about the impact on the marriage and then the impact on the children, you yeah. know, that ripple effect, that's yeah. wonderful. And even my grandkids now, we'll take, we'll take the two older granddaughters sometimes to Mass with us as well. And, uh, and that's fun, because uh, Gianna, our oldest, she's going to be in first grade at Our Lady of Guadalupe this year. So she knows a lot of the prayers in Spanish. And so we'll have her do the prayer for meals in Spanish and uh, when she comes over to eat. And, uh, and she knows a lot about the saints already. The kid's a sponge with that stuff. Mm. And so that's neat to see. That Mike, we are burning daylight yeah. here. This third segment, yep. Colleen, is screaming yep. by. Yep. We haven't talked about what you're doing in the Archdiocese. Yeah. And I know you want to get to that. We've got five yep. minutes. Okay. We've got I'll, four minutes. I'll tackle it right now. So in 2022, I took a leap of faith and got out of human resources and... Um, I work for Catholic Charities in the housing division. I was the, the housing director, but I've, I've asked to do something else just because it's taking up too much time for my ministry. Mm-hmm. So I am now the compliance and, uh, and quality person for housing. So uh, I work with five other people in housing, and we have five housing properties. And, How many people are we housing? Uh, well, we have 208 apartments. Wow. So probably about 330 people. And is that just in Dubuque? No. It's, we have three, three uh, apartments complexes in Dubuque. We have one in Waterloo, and we have one in Maquoketa. Mm-hmm. One, one of the ones here is Ecumenical Tower, which mm-hmm. is a senior mm-hmm. housing and for disabled folks. And then we have two other market properties where it's called market, but it's still way below market rent here. Um, and those are always full. So the, these are subsidized rents. One is subs. Uh, well, 
the so the ecumenical tower is subsidized by mm. HUD mm-hmm. housing and, and urban development, yeah, and then the uh, property in in uh, Makoka is subsidized by USDA, so Department of Agriculture, Rural Development. Really? Yep, that's who does that one. Mm-hmm. So that allows us to serve people who probably wouldn't be able to get housing uh, very easily. I mean, senior housing in particular is very very expensive in town. Mm-hmm. It just is, and there's not a lot of it, mm-hmm. and so we do provide a niche uh, for that and. Um, Aside from that, then I'm also uh, at St. Column Kills. I'm I'm the I'm taking on marriage coordinator for for Witness to Love. Mm-hmm. We don't actually offer it there right now. We go through St. Joe's the Worker, but we're going to bring that in. And and what is Witness to Love? So Witness to Love is marriage prep okay. for a couple getting married. And so Jan and I are that's our ministry is that one. Um, and is so it like sponsor couple or pre cana or so something it's not in really pre cana. It's sponsor couple basically. So you, there's a series of six. Uh, six sessions that you go through with them and we coincident i'm coincidentally going to be doing that marriage so i'll be witnessing the marriage that's my first marriage i'm going to witness the highlight though of my ministry so far was when i got to baptize two of my grandkids oh wow the first saturday right after i got ordained Wow. Uh, we, we baptized Claire. Hold on. Take a picture here. Look at him beaming right <laughs> now. Look at him <laughs> yep. beaming. Yeah. Yep. Well, and talk about that dream, right? Yeah. I mean, in your yeah. dream, it yeah. was your oldest. It was my oldest who had been baptized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, now you are baptizing, baptizing grandchildren, yeah. going back to that dream years ago. And Jan said, if I can baptize them, I can do anybody, because they, they are all over the place. <laughs> so... Um, and then uh, just working with Deacon Travis, doing masses and uh, ministering as we need to. I'm, I'm the lecturer for the Knights of Columbus Council, so I try to bring an edifying uh, programming, which hopefully I'll be able to do starting in Advent. I'm going to do some things for Advent uh, for the council. And just trying to do my ministry. Now, during talk the about, break... Can you talk about CORE? I am going to talk about CORE. So yep, CORE, is, CORE is what I want to talk about. 60 seconds, guys. Yep. So CORE is a new new initiative by the Knights of Columbus Supreme Council in New Haven, Connecticut, for all of the Knights to try to bring a little bit of faith formation into the parishes with the men. And they don't have to be Knights. Any man can go to this. Mm-hmm. And we do some of that now with Into the Breach and things like that, but this is actually has Bible study with it, and the Knights made their own Bible study because they couldn't find one that worked for them. There's prayer groups. It's almost like taking that man as you, a CW, hmm. and, and putting it all together hmm. just to try. What to, a concept, like, Mark. Yeah. What a concept. Oh, is it a weekly yeah, meeting then? Is it? A- no, they're usually, um, they start off either monthly or every every two weeks. Okay. Um, we actually are bringing it in starting next month, I think, here in wow. the Archdiocese. So that's kind of so. nice if someone just kind of wants to, you know, dip their toe in yep. something and not commit to a weekly. Correct. Thing. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Yep. So. Our guest is Deacon. Mike Damali, what a show, Mark. To, yeah. uh, we've tried to get him in here for a couple of months, and, <laughs> and uh, what a treat it is. Yeah. Deacon, you're going to yeah. have to come back mm-hmm. I will. and uh, talk more about these uh, housing initiatives and, yes. and the, uh, the like core that. program here mm-hmm. locally, but also in the Archdiocese. So mm-hmm. Very sure. good. Yeah. Wonderful. Thanks again to our, our uh, Keep sponsor. Keep us updated on a new Archbishop. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I will. Yeah. Um, Hotworks, thanks to Hotworks mm-hmm. for doing all of this. Let's close in the name of the Father and the, the Son and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be, be to the, the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit as, as it was in the beginning, beginning is now, and, and ever shall be, world, world without, without end. end. Amen. We've never had a deacon give a blessing over the air. Yeah. Uh, do you have one that you I can do. give to I, us, deacon? I can. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beautiful. Episode 95 of The Chatter comes to a close. Thank you, everyone. Tune in again next week. We love you. God bless you. Thank you.